0: unofficial Bengals podcast
1: welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast this is your host Frank LaPlaca and I'm a Bengals fan for life all right this episode going to be a review of Super Bowl 56 Sans is going to stop by with some expert analysis Tom McLeavy is going to stop in with some thoughts on the team and Justin Lacey is going to bring another inspirational message to us Bengal fans
2: What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Hooday.
1: Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. Is it better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all? Is it worth getting that puppy and going through the whole greatness of having a dog and then you have to put him down at the end of his life and you feel that pain forever almost more than you did when the dog was alive is it better to go to the Super Bowl and lose or never go to the Super Bowl you know what I think it is in every one of those cases I would rather have the experience and lose than never have the experience so we're ahead of the game you know it was a a fun season we're playing until the middle of February it didn't go how we wanted but it was still a great ride and a better ride than 30 other teams in this league had. I was mad. I thought I was going to be sad, but I was more angry. I just felt cheated. I felt like we deserved a chance to come back at the end. I felt that Joe Burrow deserved a chance to prosper and have a little bit of time to throw, and, you know, it, w- it was frustrating. I was not in a good place after this game. I know we're all heartbroken, and you know you know how you were feeling after that game. I'm proud of this team, and I just want to say in all sincerity, thank you. I'm really looking forward to the future. You know, the AFC is tough. There's a bunch of other good quarterbacks, but our team is young. We're united. We're built well. We have a lot of money to spend, and you know what? We're just going to have to climb that mountain again, and as I talked about before, you know, you climb all the way up. You're almost to the top, and you fall all the way down, and you wonder, are we going to be able to climb up again? And just believe just believe and you know what just take it a day at a time take it a game at a time and and just keep performing and and believing and bettering yourself as as a person and in the Bengals case as a player or as a team that's all that matters what are we going to do we can't predict the future we can't say oh my god I don't want to have to climb Mount Everest again because we are that's they say in life that the journey is better than the destination in most cases And it is, you know, like even if we won the Super Bowl, it would be, you'd be ecstatic. We'd have something to hang our hats on for years and years. But, you know, the day after the Super Bowl, you almost have this empty feeling of like, all right, we got it. You know, what's next? What's greater than this moment? So I don't know. Yeah, multiple Super Bowls would be greater. You know, I'm I'm talking a little bit crazy because I'm really emotional about this. It's very important to me. And that's what I tell people. I said, it's only a football game, but it means so much to me. All right, so let's quickly go over some headlines. Joe Burrow, sprained MCL. Man, it looked so bad. I know all of us out there were like, oh my God, not again. Why Why is the universe taking this guy from us again? And he toughed it out, man. There's not a lot of players that can do that, that can have a sprained MCL and finish the game as if nothing was wrong with them. He is a warrior. Do you understand how much he's putting his body on the line basically for our entertainment. I know it's his personal gain. He's going to be a rich, famous man for the rest of his life. So he does benefit from it. But, man, he's selfless. You know, a lot of guys, oh, I don't want to ruin my career. I'm, I'm, I'm good. He doesn't tap out, man. Nothing is going to make this guy tap out. And that's our leader. This is such a good time for us. He will take us to multiple Super Bowls. Just watch. It's easy to say now. It's easy to get disappointed. It's easy to say, well, Josh Allen, and that's his year next year, or Mahomes, or, you know, who knows who's going to come up the rank. No, Joe Burrow is a champion. He's a winner, and he's going to make this team champions, and he's already made this team winners. And, you know, they did a lot of post-game interviews, and I can highlight what everybody said. Everyone said poignant things and caring, team-oriented things, without a doubt. You know, it was enjoyable in a way to listen to the good vibes that everyone had and and the good memories and the good feelings. But the only quote that I'm going to quote from it, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but it was Joe Burrow saying this, We'll take this loss and let it fuel us for the rest of our careers. Yeah, Joe. I'm right there with you. I will be there on every snap, my friend. All right. So the benefit of playing in the Super Bowl is not only the hype and the attention that your team gets. And, you know, we played 20 games this year, which is exciting. Or what was it, 21 games? Yeah, 17 plus three. And yeah, 21 games. So all that is really exciting. But we played until the middle of February and it's like there's almost no off season for us. And you know how it is when you're out of it the first week in January. That's a long time until things start cooking up again. But in this case, the Combine is two weeks away. Free agency is one month from today. March 16th is when free agency starts. So we're already going to be, you know, speculating on who we're going to be picking up for the next few weeks. And, you know, on the first couple days, we're going to add some quality offensive linemen. So there's like no off season. It's so fun because that's what I want. I can't. I, I need my Bengals fixed. I can't go too long without my Bengals. And here it is. March 1st, Combine. March 16th, free agency. I, I read something. It's like 60 days until off-season workouts. So it's it's right there. The draft on April 28th. There's just so much coming up. And we're going to reinforce this roster. You know, we're going to say goodbye to some players that maybe didn't work out or didn't fit. And we're going to bring in some better players. And we're going to bring in some new young players. And this team has a lot of money to spend. We're going to get better. You know, a few people have said that this is the worst team that Joe Burrow's ever going to be on because they're just going to keep improving around him and he's going to get better. And, you know, that's kind of a a weird way to say it, but I, I kind of buy it. You know, I think next year's team is going to be better than this year's team because they're going to strengthen the offensive line and bring in some more players and players are going to want to come here because of Joe Burrow's success. And they just went to the Super Bowl. So we have a happy ending here. This, this is good things that are happening for this organization. And for years of suffering, and then, you know, even in the Andy Dalton, A.J. Green years where we were getting there but just couldn't get over the hump, we, we got over the hump in a big way, and it's going to continue for a while with this coaching staff, these players, and Joe Burrow. So in other news, we signed nine practice squad players. It was interesting. There was I'm not going to go over the whole list, but there were some guys, like I thought Travion Williams would get re-signed, or I don't know if he's not eligible, but I, I thought Thaddeus Moss was one of the highlights of that. They're bringing back Trayvon Henderson, Puka Williams. There's a few guys in there. But I thought that Moss was the most interesting of that bunch. So, you know, they're bringing back some of their guys. It's good. Maybe some of those practice squad guys will graduate to their active roster and have good seasons for us. You know, they know what they're doing. They know who they want to keep and who they don't want to keep. And these nine guys are players that they want to get a good look at for next year. Miss Blackburn gave a great message to us Bengal fans. I got an email from her. I almost wanted to reply, but I know it was just a a mailing list email. But thanking all the Bengal fans and highlighting a lot of the good moments from the season. And she brought up a lot of things like the opening day and then the win around Thanksgiving, the win around Christmas, New Year's. She kind of made it a little holiday related as well and just gave thanks. and, And thanked the Bengal social media community for being inclusive and fostering a positive attitude and atmosphere. So all that stuff is good. And it was nice to get a thank you from you know, one of the higher ups in the organization. And her basic quote was Rule twenty twenty two. And we have a very good shot of doing that. So thank you, Miss Blackburn. Very excited to get a message from you. And I like the way this organization is thinking and doing things. And the last headline for now is Coach Taylor has been extended through two thousand twenty six. I like him. And you know that if he had a bad year this year, if they would have won five, six games, he would have been gone. And a lot of people thought that was going to be the case, and he defied that. He defied it with intelligence and positivity and motivation and not separating players, making people unified and having bringing unity to the team and not clicks. And everybody got along. Every, it was just he's an excellent manager of people. He's a great speaker. He's got a great offensive mind. His play calling got better. We'll see if he's going to give up those duties down the road. But I think that he's an asset to this organization. He's a young coach that took the team to the Super Bowl in his third year as a head coach. So that's really good stuff. Congratulations, coach. I know you're listening. And I can't wait to meet you and have you on the show. And I got until 2026 and beyond to do so. All right, on to some observations from this game. What a spectacle the Super Bowl is. And I I always see it. I watch every year. And, you know, when the Bengals made it the last time, I was a lot younger and so much has happened since then, and, and you realize it, it just makes rock stars of all these guys, and it's so well-deserved, and it's such a boost for everyone's career and all the attention, and it's just a grand event. The halftime show with all these mega stars and the big-time commercials and celebrities, it's, it's just a really big deal, and I'm glad that we were the darling to be able to do that this year. One classy thing that I thought the Bengals did is they could have taken the home locker room from the Rams because they were designated as the home team. The AFC was the home team this year, and they were classy. They were like, no, you know what, stay in your own locker room. We'll go into the visitor's locker room, and that's good. I mean, imagine if they didn't. It would probably give the Rams some bulletin board material, and it would just be a a negative look for us, and I'm just glad that we did the right thing as we've been continuing to do this season. The officiating... What do I always say, right? I'm not going to blame the refs for a win or for a loss. You know, we had the Higgins play where he clearly pulled down Ramsey by the face mask, and that wasn't called. So, you know, we're not complaining about that. You know, if uh, the Will the Wilson play it it really destroyed everything because we were making another goal line stand, and it was third down. And he made a really good play. Was it a little handsy? Yeah, but everything was up to that point. That was my only problem with the way that was called, is they weren't calling those types of penalties all game, and then they threw the flag at the most crucial moment. It just was such bad timing, and I was mad at the refs in the moment. But what are you going to do? That's the way it goes. You know, sometimes it goes in your favor, sometimes it doesn't. But it was a great play by Wilson, and I almost felt that if we would have stopped them there that we would have stopped him on fourth down and might have had a different outcome. But again, we're not blaming the refs because if we took care of business before then, that play would not have mattered. So why did we lose this game? It's pretty simple. It really was the protection of Joe Burrow. All the sacks, not enough time to throw, not enough time to get past one read. It really came down to protection. And the sad part is, that's what everyone was saying coming into the game. That was going to be our big Achilles heel and something that we had to watch out for. And we we lived up to that prophecy. And that, that's the, the hurtful part about it. You know, I, I, I wanted those players to just get it in them. To say, yeah, everyone in the world is doubting us right now as an offensive line. And we're going to prove them wrong. And we're going to have the game of our lives. And we're going to stop two Hall of Famers. And people are going to know my name. And that didn't happen. So that really was one of the biggest reasons why we lost was the blocking You know, it enabled them to drop seven guys into coverage most of the time. And that's hard to throw. You know, if you ever played the position, there's not a lot of windows when there's seven athletic guys back there that can all get to the ball in a hurry. And then you go to the 19 postseason sacks on Joe Burrow. That's a record. Seven sacks in this game on Joe Burrow. That's another record. Man, I don't want to talk about it anymore. It was such a sore topic for me. I, I mean, I can't do any better. You think you you want to put me on the offensive line against Aaron Donald? I wouldn't last a play in there. So, you know, it's easy to criticize from your living room. But, man, this is what these players are living 24-7. I would have liked to have seen a better effort. I guess I'll go into the offensive line more later, but that's the main reason why we lost. And then Cooper Cup on the last drive. You know, they were down a bunch of weapons. He was their really only their main weapon, and we ended up covering him with linebackers half the time. And even there was double coverage, but we just let him run loose. And that was a shame. You know, and if you look at it, Aaron Donald is their best defensive player, and he made the, the biggest plays for them. Cooper Cup is their best offensive player, and he made the big plays for them. So it makes sense. It wasn't some unknown guys that made the plays. It was the guy that guys that were supposed to. But again, it hurts. It hurts. And then I, we can go to our play calling a little bit, which I never like to do. I thought the play calling has been solid all year. And as my guests are going to talk about in a little bit, why didn't you have Mixon on the field instead of Pirine? And I agree with that. You know, I think Mixon would have fought his way for a yard. Nothing against Pirine, but Mixon's a better player. And we've seen it before. Earlier on in the playoffs, that was that fourth. there was that fourth and one where he had three guys on him before he even got to the line of scrimmage. And he willed himself for the first down. So that's one of the question mark plays. I thought they should have moved the pocket more instead of having Joe drop straight back. And they didn't really move the pocket that much. There's a whole bunch of things. You know, we're all, again, just like we're all experts on playing the game from our couch. We're all experts on play calling from our couch. I I couldn't go in there and call plays like that. So, you know, you can only criticize so much. But that was another aspect that I think hurt us on that last drive. Burrow and the receivers were solid, as solid as they could be under the circumstances. You know, Boyd made some big catches. I know he had the drop. I know he he ran one wrong route, but he's had a great career for us. He's our guy, and there's no way that I'm going to criticize him for anything. It was one bad play. Jamar Chase, although he didn't put up 100 yards and three touchdowns, but he still had a very solid game, made some amazing catches. We'll talk about him more in a bit. T. Higgins, obviously, with the two touchdowns, 100-yard game. His stock rose as a superstar in this league, and rightfully so. The defense was great against the run, and the running back passes. Normally, passes out of the backfield have been hurting us. They had that one to Henderson down the sideline, but aside from that, we were pretty good, pretty tight in that, but really, really strong against the run, making them one-dimensional. We had some pressure on Stafford. Great defensive effort. You know, you only let up 23 points in the Super Bowl. That That's a winning effort. And then the other big thing is we were down by 10, and we still came back to take the lead in the Super Bowl. So this team is resilient. They're never out of games. And even under the biggest lights against technically, I guess the Rams are the best team in the league at this point, right? You have to give it to them. We were able to come back and and blow past them for the lead. So those are positive things from this game and to build off of. All right, so let's quickly review the game as it went by. You know, we'll just highlight some key points in time as the game progressed so the first thing is we stopped them on their first drive due to that Hendrickson sack then we get the ball you know and have a mediocre drive and we were in that fourth and one situation at midfield and you live by the sword you die by the sword we've been aggressive all year if we would have gotten the first down there it would have given us some momentum we didn't so you know that that worked against us Higgins was open on that play too but there was so much pressure and Joe was locked in on Chase he just thought I'm just going to gun it into Jamar And he trusted his arm. So I understand why Joe made that throw. And again, you don't have a lot of time to process things with that defensive line coming at you. So there it was. We fail on fourth and one. They get the ball on a short field. And they move the ball with that Cooper Cup screen. And then OBJ beats Hilton, despite pretty decent coverage. You know, Hilton got his hands in there in the end zone, almost knocked it away. But OBJ has got really strong hands, as evidenced by that one-handed catch that brought him into the limelight. So there we were. We had our drive. They had their drive. Two drives for them, actually. And now it's seven-nothing Rams. We get the ball. We punt. Then they punt. And then we get the ball again, mixing with a big run, which was all him. There was not much there. He cuts back. He runs through a linebacker, you know, runs through a safety for a, a nice first down. I think it was like a 12-yard gain. And then you have that chase catch which was just unbelievable i was freaking out that had to be the highlight of the game at that moment was that catch just an amazing play one a catch that should go down in history and a catch that will make everyone out there know that he is one of the top receivers in this game if not the top receiver so there we were i was hoping that chase got into the end zone on that play but he did everything that he could you know they tapped him down i guess around the 10 yard line and i'm figuring all right There's no way they're going to keep us out of the end zone right now. And what happens, they get a tip ball, and then there was a pressured throw to Mixon, and then an incomplete to Higgins in in the end zone at a tight window, so we don't get a touchdown out of it, and we go down. We get a field goal, so now it's 7-3. You know, you think about the final score. We lost by three. We left four points on the table right there. You know, there's a few spots in this game that you can point to, but, you know, that one hurt that we were so close to a touchdown and had to settle for a field goal. And that's the difference between winning and losing. If you get touchdowns, you're going to beat the team that gets field goals. This was a classic example. Rams get the ball back. We, we get them to a third and 11. It's looking like they can't do anything. And then Stafford makes a great throw. A deep crossing route and nice yak yards after catch by OBJ. And then you got that Henderson play out of the backfield with Hendrickson in coverage. You know, you live by the sword, die by the sword there, too. There was times where we, we dropped our defensive ends into coverage. We've been doing that a lot this year, and this was one time where it kind of burnt us so that, you know, they moved the ball deep into the red zone. And then those two big plays led to a Cooper Cup touchdown in the back of the end zone where we kind of lost track of him. Big mistake by the defense because that's the one guy, no matter what's going on in front of you, you just don't lose track of him. That, you know, that's like losing track of Michael Jordan or LeBron James on a basketball court. You have to pay full attention to them no matter what other distractions are going on so that hurt us we're down 13 to 3 about to go down 14 to 3 and their punter messes up a hold which was big time for us I know it messed up everybody on the spread for the game and it also made it more of a manageable two possession game for us to come back in so down 13-3 now it's time to take care of things or else the game has a danger of getting away from us what do we get there we get a couple good runs out of Mixon. And a nice drive where Chase had a good catch, Boyd had a good catch, Higgins had a nice reception, Chase had that one-hander that Joe kind of threw behind him in the backfield, and Chase just pulled it in, got some yards. So you know it was like back to the Bengals that we all know and love. There it was; we were looking good, and then they do that great play with Mixon throwing the touchdown pass to Higgins. I'll break down that play in detail later. Now it's 13-10. What happens? The Rams drive. It's looking like they're going to get into field goal range, and then. Stafford just throws it up for grabs. Bates gets that great interception in the end zone, and that saved three points right there. And then what happens? Vernon Hargraves comes on the field out of uniform. Bad, bad look from him. I don't know what he was thinking. I know he was excited. I get it. I was just as excited. But you have to know the rules, and you can't even blame the coaching staff. You know, you could say, well, a Bill Belichick coached team would have never done that, but how are you going to coach that? How are you going to tell guys, hey, if you're if you're in civilian clothes on the sideline, don't run on the field? Like, that's like saying, you know, don't don't drink a glass of Drano. Don't put your hand in the fight. It's like obvious. It's common sense. Uh, you know, that's not coaching. That was just a really boneheaded play by Hargraves, who was really excited. You can't blame him for being excited, but you can blame him for being foolish. So what happens, we can't take advantage of that turnover. We end up punting, and then the Rams are unable to score. And then we go into the half, down 13-10. It's right within our reach because we know we were getting the ball in the second half. And it was a case after the Bates interception. It was like, oh, you know what? We're going to score before the half, which we know is a big way to win a game. It didn't happen. That Rams defense played very well. So the halftime adjustments come now. You figure our defense is going to improve even more. You figure we're going to have some clever wrinkles on offense. And, you know, there were some good things that happened in the second half. But I feel that the biggest adjustment at halftime was by the Rams, and that was making their defensive line have more stunts, putting a guy over the center so Trey couldn't double-team Donald. They did a lot of clever things to create pressure. And, you know, it wasn't a case of endurance. Our team's a young, energetic team. It was a case of they were doing things one way in the first quarter, in the first half, which led to one sack, and they did things differently in the second half, which led to six sacks. So that is halftime adjustments and great play, from Von Miller and Aaron Donald and Floyd and and the whole bunch of them. So the second half starts. The best halftime adjustment of all, I guess. They, they must have been so excited to come out with this play. And they did it once before in the playoffs where they had a big pass to Higgins right out of the gate that you know they, they probably had pre-planned in the game. Like the first play out of the half, we're doing this. And if they didn't, you know at halftime they were like, hey, we're seeing this, so we're going to do this. And we had the 75-yard touchdown pass to Higgins. I'll break down that play in a little bit, too. But, man, it was lights out because we were back. So we go up 17-13. Then they get the ball back, the Rams. And then there's the tip ball for the Awuzie interception. And come on, guys, at that point, I I had this warm feeling over me. Like, wow, this is what it's like to win a Super Bowl. I know you were feeling that, too. It was like, we got this. We are winning this game after that swing. And then I'm like, you know, 17-13, if we score, it's 24-13, game over. And then what happens? We stall, even though Joe had that great quarterback draw on 4th and 1, and ultimately a sack on Joe Burrow, one of many in the second half, leads to a field goal. So even after the Awuzie interception, which could have broken the game, here we are up by just one score, 20-13. to 13. And then at that point, it went from like, wow, Super Bowl champion. You know, I can't wait to get my Super Bowl jersey you guys are thinking about getting measured for a ring at that point I thought it was lights out and then when it became one score it was like yeah you know what it's not quite lights out yet but still here we were in the second half up and it was a good feeling so what happens the Rams stall they they drive all the way down and then they stall and they tried the Philly special if you guys remember the play that was when they tried to throw it back to Stafford with Bates cracking down on them it's like if Stafford caught that, he might have had a first down, but he also might have been concussed and out of the game because Bates was coming to pound him on that play. And they get the field goal. Now it's a 2016 game, and that was the same score in the Bengals' Niners Super Bowl. So, And this game has some parallels, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So here we are, 2016. Pressure gets to Burrow. Got a couple plays, we end up punting. Rams' possession, we have that big sack by DJ Reader. Stafford's hurt another moment in the game where you're like wow their starting quarterback is out and they have nothing behind them you know you see Stafford on the training table and I was like wow all right you know it a shame that he got hurt but this is our Super Bowl again you know you have these ups and downs in a game like this and so many things factor in so here we are we get the ball back and the offensive line collapses again for a Bengals punt the Rams get the ball at the 48 because we weren't even able to move the ball that well and now it's the fourth quarter Fourth quarter begins with the Rams three and out and a punt. So now it's the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and we're winning. So now we have the ball. Burrow gets sacked, leads to a punt, the seventh sack on the day. Burrow's hurt on the play, and now it was tragedy. Now it was the opposite. You know, you thought, all right, Stafford's out, we're going to win. And then you're thinking, wow, Burrow's out, they're going to win. And, man, I thought Burrow was going to be way more hurt than he was thankful he was hurt badly but thankful it's not the thing that requires surgery and months and months of rehab but man i I don't know what to say You, you you can't ruin this gem we have the chance to do such great things and if we don't protect him we're gonna ruin it all i know you guys know that i don't know i'm just reflecting so after Burrow hurt, Rams go 3-and-out. Wilson has a beautiful tackle for a loss. Stafford had a bad pass. I'm like, all right, he's starting to choke. And then the Bengals go mostly run on the next drive. We, we take off a bunch of clock. And then Tyler Boyd has that drop, so we were unable to convert. He wouldn't have converted the first down if he caught it, but it would have been a fourth and short, and you never know what we would have done in that situation. So the Rams get it with 6-16 left, and what do they do? A 16-yard drive a 79-yard drive featuring Cooper Cup, the only guy we really had to focus on. And this is where I say it's reminiscent to that Niners game. It was like you controlled them the whole game. And now here they are at the most crucial time, just slicing you up, and you just can't stop it. Very frustrating feeling, and it really did remind me of that Montana classic drive, you know, back in January of 89. And then we even get them to fourth and one, and they do the jet sweep to Cup and Von Bell had the had him but took a bad angle and Cup gets the first down and then they move the ball down the field to the eight yard line and then the whole thing starts. You know, two incompletes at the goal line, and then we get the holding call on Wilson that I didn't feel great about that I mentioned at the top of the show. The good part was the clock kept stopping on that last drive with the penalties and everything, so I'm like, you know what? You give Joe Burrow a minute or so And at least we're going to get a McPherson field goal out of this. So they end up getting the touchdown. And it was almost one where I'm like, just let him score so we have enough time to do our thing. You know, don't get the ball back with 12 seconds left and have no options. So they score on that pass against Eli Apple to Cooper Cup. And that's a hard one to defend. You know, a lot of people are getting on Eli Apple, but, you know, you have pretty much the best receiver in the league, one-on-one on on the outside, doing an out with a perfect throw. Just very hard to, to stop that. So there it was, 23-20 Rams. And the Bengals get the ball to do what they did all year, make a big comeback, get a McPherson field goal to send us into overtime, or even better. So here were the plays that happened when we had the ball at the end. You had the pass right away to Chase for 17 yards, where he gets near the 50. Then you have Tyler Boyd with a nice 9-yard catch. Then there was a Burrow throwaway. And then P. Ryan runs for 0 yards, so now we're down to fourth and one, and you get the Donald pressure, and he Burrow refuses to go down even against the strongest player in the league, and still manages to get a pass off. But Piran just wasn't ready for it. I, I just, I guess he just didn't process it quickly enough and didn't dive. Maybe he should have dove. It was just such frustration. You know, like for one second I'm like, is there a penalty anywhere? Can we get one more shot at this? And there wasn't, and that was the end. And it was. That was a tough pill to swallow. That was a a gut punch. Ah, man, it hurts. All right, so let's quickly go over the individual performances. Joe Burrow, he had a good game, and he showed good leadership, and he showed good toughness. What if Matt Stafford was getting that kind of pressure? You think he would have done anything in that game? He would have been a tackling dummy. He wouldn't have lasted the game. Not a lot of guys could have been that resilient and still keep your team within three points of winning the world championship. And then Burrow stays in the game after his knee's injured, just the the whole thing. And on top of that, there were some dynamite passes, the the pass to Chase at the end, you know, a couple frozen ropes over the middle to to Boyd and Higgins with the out and the slants. Even the the deep pass to Chase put it where no one could get it, not even the long athletic Jalen Ramsey. Just a ton of great throws under the circumstances. And, you know, he's our guy. That's what I'm going to say about Joe Burrow. Running back, Mixon ran with a purpose the whole game, and there just wasn't a lot there. Not a lot of holes. He had to make his own breaks. He had to cut back a lot. He had to run through through people, and you know, you give him a quality offensive line, he's going to run rampant on those guys. And unfortunately, he couldn't. He did the best with what he had, just like Joe Burrow. P. Ryan was unable to do the same because it takes a special back to operate under those circumstances. And P. Ryan's a good back. I've liked him all year. But he's not a Joe Mixon. You know, a Joe Mixon is elite and can overcome some of those things. And you saw that Piran was largely ineffective this game because, you know, pretty much any running back would have when there's no holes to run through. It was nice to see Evans get that big first down catch in the fourth quarter. They didn't really go to him much in this game. He was returning kicks. His star and his stock will rise in the future. You know, he's going to be a valued part of this team. He's going to be the next Geo for us, I'm hoping. The wide receivers I talked about at the top of the show—I've been talking about them constantly through the show—but T. Higgins established himself as a superstar. I think if the Bengals would have won the game, he may have had a shot at being the MVP with the game that he had. He was electric, and we're so lucky to have him. And we're—you know—it's everything is so overshadowed on how great Jamar Chase is. Higgins is a, is a true star in this league, and we saw that in the biggest game of the year. And Chase made big plays when needed. He had that incredible catch. He had kind of a low-key good day. He would have excelled more if the O-line would have held up better. You know, he had, the again, the the great catch down the field. He had the great catch behind him. He was balling out all game. You know, getting tough yards on on passes over the middle. Just exactly what you want. Blocking when, when he had the opportunities. Tyler Boyd had a couple clutch catches. You know, we talked about the drop and the one route that he didn't run right. But... You know, overall, he's a massive asset, and he made some good plays in this game, too. Uzama, I heard, played 80% of the snaps. You wouldn't have known it because he wasn't targeted much. You know, I, I barely saw him in there, even though when I saw after he was in there for 80%, I was kind of shocked. And you could tell he wasn't right. He had a nice first down where he had the yards after the catch. He had another reception. I think he had two on the day. But at least he got to get in there and be with his teammates and contribute. But you could just tell that he was far from being normal and healthy. And now the offensive line. I'm in a quandary here, and I I like, I want to be honest about things. You know, I want to tell it like it is, but I don't want to totally disparage everyone. It's just I don't know what to do. You know, and and I don't mean to be you know waving the home flag and like you know I'm gonna get some of these players on my show and you know I, I'm working on trying to get something going with the organization. And if I start bashing on guys then, you know, that's that's going to limit my opportunities as a broadcaster. And so I, it's it's a tough position. But I, by the same token, it's not fair to, to the listeners to, to sugarcoat things just because I want personal gain. So I don't even know what to say. We know it. Everyone was on them. You saw the low PFF rankings. You know, it was the big talk. They got chastised enough by everybody. But I was not happy with them at all i was ranting after the game about their performance ranting negatively if i would have recorded a podcast right after the game i don't know if i'd have any anybody wanting to hear me anymore because i was so bitter and hurt and angry and it's nice to calm down a little bit now before i, t- I talked about it. i couldn't even watch the game for two days because it hurt i don't know you know it's it's like watching a car accident watching yourself on a street cam in a car accident. I've used that analogy a while back, but it it, it was. And again, what I said at the top, this was your chance, all of you. This was your chance to stand up and make a name and and show you belong in this league and erase all the negative narratives, and you just couldn't do it. So I said it before the season over and over and over again, and no one listened to me. We needed four new offensive linemen, and what did we do? We got Reef, who was older, didn't make it through the year. We got Jackson Carmen, who didn't even, he played a couple special team snaps in this game. You know, we drafted him with a bad back, and here he was in the Super Bowl ten months later out with a bad back, you know, and that's what we did. We had Reef and Carmen were the big additions, and then a a fourth-rounder and a sixth-rounder, and I think Deontay Smith is the best one of all of them right now. So we didn't do enough. And I've said it. We did not do enough. And after this game, I was like, I'm doubling down. I don't want four new offensive linemen. I want five new offensive linemen. But you know that's not going to happen. They believe in Jonah. You know, Hopkins is still going to be around, whether as a starter or not. I don't know about the other guys. Adenergy is going to be under contract as a backup. You know, they're they're all probably going to be here, except I don't know what they're going to do with Spain, who was my favorite out of all of them. Up until that last play, I don't know. Again, now I'm getting on the guys. I don't want to be doing this. So I thought Hopkins played the best out of all of them. The rest of them, you saw the tape, I saw the tape. Enough said, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Alright, so even though I defiantly said I don't want to talk about it anymore, I'm realizing I need to cover the sacks because it's only fair to see what happened on these seven fateful plays. So sack number one is... Jonah leaves his block a little bit early to protect against the stunt, and the guy that he was blocking sacks Burrow, and Prince kind of collapsed. He got pushed into the pocket on that play. That's sack number one. Sack number two, Joe Burrow gets flushed, runs out to the left, almost gets past the line of scrimmage. Donald pushes him out hard. Third sack, Edenogy got destroyed by Aaron Donald. That's the, the famous clip that we see from the game where Donald just pushes him back with one arm into Burrow. Play number four, Mixon cuts the blitzer, the blitzing linebacker that's coming in. No one's open. The guy gets up and hits Burrow and sacks him. So that was more of a coverage sack, number four. Number five, the entire line gets pushed back. It was tough to tell. I had to watch it three times to figure out whose guy got the sack. It was pretty much on all of them. It was ultimately Jonah's guy that I think got credited with the sack. Sack number six, Adenogy got beat on a stunt. The rest of the line collapsed. Sack number seven, Prince and Adenogy got beat, and Jonah collapsed as well. So that was kind of the three of them, mostly on Prince and Adenogy for that seventh sack. So there it is. We know the story. I'm not talking about the offensive line anymore. Now I can actually say it. Defensive line was huge. They stopped the run. They all played well. Hendrickson had the big sack on the first series. I was like, wow, he's going to get the best of Whitworth all game. And although he got his pressures, you know, Whitworth kind of buckled down. You know, Whitworth is a borderline Hall of Famer. We love him. Did a lot for this team. Man of the year. You you can't root against him. So, you know, he's a pro. He probably realized, you know, you you need to go against the guy to realize it. You see film and you you think you know what it's going to be like. But when you're out there, now you really know what it's like. And that's how Geno Atkins was successful all those years. You know, you saw him on tape and guys were like, well, you know what? I know his technique. I can block him. But then when you face the brute strength, it takes you a little while to get adjusted, just like Aaron Donald. You can watch all the tape in the world, but until you feel that strength, you're you're not really gonna know what to do. So Whitworth did eventually buckle down against Hendrickson, but Hendrickson still had a productive game. Hill was great against the run, great addition. Please re-sign this man. Hubbard was great against the run, as always. Came up big a few times. Reader was great against the run as well, too, and he made had that big sack where he landed on Stafford's ankle. So, you know, the the backups rotated in, not any really noteworthy plays, but the starting four really excelled in this game and, you know, played well enough to win this game. Linebacker Logan Wilson was excellent. He has arrived. He was all over the field, tackles for loss, such a quick reaction time and great speed. He was just diagnosing things. And making a, a line right to the to the ball carrier and executing. This was a he's had a breakout season, but on top of that breakout season, this was a breakout game for Logan Wilson under the biggest spotlight it could ever be. So we know we have a winner there. I am so satisfied with him as a player right now. Pratt had a good game. I heard that he hurt his groin early, but that didn't phase him. He just kept playing. He had the interception on the on the missed extra point. He had a big stop on third and one in the fourth quarter. So both of those guys had outstanding games at the linebacker position. And it gives me a little more confidence because I was like, you know what? We need one more linebacker. And although I still think that we do, if these two guys stay healthy, we're just fine there. On to the defensive backs. Chidobe Wouzier, great addition to that secondary, a top tier corner. He has some big hits. You see those hits that he was making early? You know, his tackling is flawless, he was great in coverage. He got banged up, which I was like, Oh, we're in trouble now. He and he came back in a play or two later. So an exceptional player for us and had an exceptional game. Eli Apple's not a villain. Think about the way he played the second half of the year. Think of the big plays he made in the earlier playoff games. What did he do in this game? He let up a couple passes. Like I said, he let up the pass to Cup on the out route in the end zone, but most corners would have let that up. He he got caught looking in the backfield and Cup got behind him for another touchdown. So yeah, I guess You know, he was responsible for a long pass play, a pass interference, and two touchdowns. So I guess, on paper, that's not a good effort. But I didn't think that he was awful out there. I didn't think he was a total liability. You know, it's very hard to cover Cooper Cup, no matter who you are. Bates had a solid game, a lot of tackles. He had the big interception. And Hilton had a decent game as well, too. I know he did let up the touchdown, but the coverage wasn't bad, and he almost pried it away. And he pretty much buckled down for the rest of the game. He did his share of blitzing. He was in the backfield a lot, too. Reliable tackler, just like all season. So I thought the secondary did a very good job in this game. And a lot of Cooper Cup lighting us up at the end was happening with a safety and a linebacker covering him as opposed to a DB. That might have been the instance when the dam started breaking would be to have brought in Awuzie and just put him on Cup the whole time. But again, that's hindsight. There's probably reasons why they didn't do it. If they thought it would have worked... You know, Coach Arumos smart enough to have done it. So, so be it. That's the way it goes. But good job out of the defense on every level in this game. Special teams. McPherson tied the field goal record for postseason in his rookie year. If if we were within sixty five yards, they would have let him kick that for the tie. And he and we all know he would have made it. He's just unfazed out there. You see it. He was just he was relaxed. He was loose. You know, you're a rookie kicker. In, in a, a three-point game, knowing that at any moment you could be making the biggest kick of any kicker's life, and he's just totally relaxed. He's out there watching the halftime show. I don't know. There's, he's so likable, and, you know, you're like, why aren't you in the locker room with your teammates? You know, I guess you could say that, but what are they going to tell him? And then he comes out and bangs out two field goals right after the half anyway or so. So, you know, it doesn't matter that he was watching the halftime show. It made him more human. It made him more likable. And he was kind of like in awe by it. He was like watching a concert. It was it was really cool to see and a reflection of his character and a reflection of our all-pro kicker that's going to be with us for many Super Bowl runs to come. Clark Harris was perfect. Yeah, I'm going to highlight Clark Harris. I mean, that's think about long snapping in the Super Bowl with the game on the line and in those big situations. That's a tough job. You know, you got to be perfect. It's so easy to get the yips and and send some ball sailing, and uh, he was just Clark Harris as always. Every snap was perfect. Huber, every hold was perfect. Huber punted very well. No touchbacks, some really good punts in this game. Under bad circumstances, you know, they almost blocked one or two of them. He got rolled into on another one. They don't call that anymore. They don't call roughing the kicker anymore. It's very rare, but good game by him. And the kick coverage was outstanding as always. Trent Taylor had some good returns he had the 120 yard punt return which was big so solid special teams effort solid defensive effort solid effort out of our skill position guys he was just one area that wasn't cutting at this game and as a result we did not win the Super Bowl so there it is happy sad excited depressed they're all emotions that that pop around here you know what? We're going to move into the off season and get excited about the acquisitions and get excited about training camp, get excited about the draft, get excited about Joe Burrow, get excited about the expectations for this team and its new players and our division having a little shakiness in there with the Steelers quarterback position as a mystery, the Browns are down on Mayfield, Lamar Jackson's coming off maybe one of his worst seasons. So, you know, there's a lot to be positive about as Bengal fans. We're going to be right back here next year. So let's reflect on the moment, get over the heartbreak, and be ready for some really good times ahead.
2: X's and O's with Sans.
1: All right, we're here with Sans. Sans, how you feeling these days?
3: Ah, you know, I'm all right. Uh, It sucks, but uh, it's what it is. Move on. Got a great team, but that sucks to come that close.
1: Agreed. A couple strategic things I wanted to talk to you about. How come we could? I know the offensive line was crumbling, but what what are the specifics? What's the X's and O's behind the fact that we couldn't really do much in our last four or five drives?
3: Some of it is. The offensive line. I mean, most of it is. Because when you have an offensive line this porous, and, I mean, they made it to the Super Bowl with it, but you can't do anything other than a three-step drop, basically just one just one read, and then you have to either get the ball out or, or run. And that's just not how this offense is built. Uh, that's not how Burrow's really built, to just make one read and move on. It doesn't sound like him. Not to me, at least. <laughs> it's... so. You have that issue. You've got uh, – in the second half, the Rams did a much better job of scheming up Donald and Von Miller to get their one-on-ones. Everybody's going off about Donald. He was the best player in that Super Bowl to me, but Von Miller was Von Miller in that game. He 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 was he took over again. I, I mean, he didn't get the last sack of the game, but he was, he was awesome. And it sucks me on the other end of that, but I, I don't think he's getting the love he deserves – Uh, pff charted isaiah prince who gave a a lot of quite a few pressures and jenna williams wasn't good either and a lot of that's because of von miller Uh, pff gave isaiah prince a two out of 100 (laughs) in pass protection that's that's unacceptable i think that's some of it and then once you get those safeties they start doing is just squatting and sitting around 15 yards that's tough that's tough when that happens to you and the Bengals' offense doesn't have an answer for it. That's the issue, is that their offensive line is so bad that you can't run five steps and a hitch to attack the intermediate deep area of the field. Their deep shot is pretty much just a three-step go ball to Jamar Chase, which they hit earlier in the game. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just... No good. Uh, It was good to take out of it, but yeah, they they couldn't move the ball because of the offensive line in conjunction with, they started sitting those safeties and really challenging the Bengals to, okay, attack deep, be able to protect for a five-step drop, and the Bengals couldn't.
1: Yeah, it seemed like they were sending the four guys that were getting outstanding pressure, and they were able to sit seven guys back in coverage. Is that basically what was going on from what you saw?
3: You know, some of it, but they actually did send five guys uh, in that second half a bit just to hold and really allow all their really talented guys to get one-on-ones. And, I mean, that one of the things that killed them was they they got all those one-on-ones with their elite players, and the Bengals couldn't respond.
1: If you were an offensive coach for the Bengals and had a say on what they were doing, was would there be anything that you would have done differently in, in that oh, last yeah. half to, to kind of, you know give us some space and help us out?
3: Uh, sorry for interrupting you, but yeah, yeah. They, they ran one screen, and uh, they ran a, a fake screen as well. But I don't know how you don't run more than that. <laughs> it's just one screen. That's that's all we had. That's, that's one way to slow a pass rush, and the Rams aren't very good at stopping screens. So I don't understand that. And the big one to me is second down, people aren't really talking about it. Second and two, you take the shot play. What Burrow did there was he read the alert, the go route to Chase, saw it was one-on-one coverage with Ramsey, put it up, just said, my guy's a good player, and th- this worked earlier, so I'm just going to throw this up. Ended up going out of bounds because I think Chase is facing off coverage, and once he sees Ramsey uh, playing there, he doesn't exactly – he he knows he's not winning, and so Burrow knows he's not winning, just throws it out of bounds, but – I'm okay with that because he doesn't have time to get to the other part of the field. Don't know if needs mentioning, but like I said, he has enough time to make one read, and that's it. So that that was his one read, and if he held on the ball any longer, he was taking a sack and a two-minute drill, which you can't do, so he had to get the ball out. Third down, just brutal play. A brutal play to call an inside zone at Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl with Samaje Perine. Uh, that's one of those plays where... Somebody has to stop Zach Taylor. Who's the play caller? So I will say final say is him, and just say, hey, that's P Ryan in there. We can't run this play. That's not mixing or whatever. Put the ball in your best player's hands. Don't put the ball in the hands of your backup running back to pick up a, a very important third down. And I know they're gonna go for it on fourth down, but it's just it's mind boggling how that ball goes to P Ryan. I was lost on that. And now you have one shot on fourth down to get in. Now it's Aaron Donald being freaking Aaron Donald. And he beats your left guard to the one place he can't get beat because they slid to him. The center was there for inside help and to help if he tried to bull rush. The only thing he couldn't do is lose quick to the outside, but he lost quick to the outside. And it's Aaron Donald, possibly the greatest defensive player of all time. They had the plan there. It's just, he was so good. He even beat the plan and, it's all very frustrating. That whole last sequence is just—that's just something you can't do. You can't put the ball in P Ryan's hand at the end of the game because you look. I don't think Sean McVay called a good game, but what Sean McVay did was put the ball in his best player's hands. Cooper Cup got like six catches on that last drive, even though he wasn't really doing much before that. That's—that's <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do in that situation. You're not supposed to hand the ball to your backup running back with the game on the line. That's unacceptable. I I don't know how that happened.
1: Well, with that said, let's move on to the Cooper Cup last drive. What was happening? I mean, he was the only guy that we needed to focus on. What did they do schematically to free him up for for him to take over the game and eventually win the game for them?
3: You know, some of it's the play that's gone viral with Matt Stafford Making the no look pass to Cooper Cup. There's no defense for that. The defense for that is getting to the quarterback before he can make that pass, uh, because he's got his shoulders and his eyes, and he starts even throwing while lined up with the with the hitch. So Von Bell takes the bait, and they he ends up being able to fit it behind him. I don't know. To me, that's just that's just amazing football play. So that happened. But other than that, they they uh, I don't know. I I think they're they're trying to zone it up, they're trying to keep everything in front of them, which ends up taking more time, but I mean, they had it. They stopped Cooper Cup, but it didn't matter because the the flag came out on a play that, in my opinion, wasn't holding, especially with how they were calling the game. But it's not to blame the officials because the officials also let a lot of stuff go. The T. Higgins possible face mask, they let that go. The play before Jermaine Pratt kind of mugs the running back a little bit let that go and then they call that one and i know it's not consistent with how the game was called but it is what it is i they had it and then after that eli apple finally came back to bite the Bengals. <laughs> apple gave up a uh, defensive pass interference gave up the touchdown the game winning touchdown but there was holding and then he gives up the game winning touchdown and a situation I don't think ever should have happened where Cooper Cup split outside. He almost never is split up outside like that. So I knew in my mind this is an isolation of some kind, possibly a goal line fade. You don't want Eli Apple in that situation. Just find a way to get a on him. I've thought of the galaxy brain idea of it's short yardage. You're not gonna get beat deep. Why the heck just put Trey Flowers out there? I don't know. He's a big body he's he's and maybe i'm wrong on this maybe this is just revisionist because eli apple was fine for most of the game well kind of at least most of the year he was fine so you trust him in a way but uh, that's the end of the game is just who are you getting the ball to and they they were getting the ball to cooper cup and they were rewarded for it because they got him lined up against eli apple and i don't know that's how it goes so if, i wouldn't have done things the same way zach did and I think there's plenty of criticism for him, but you just move on, I guess.
1: Yeah, you know, I it's hard to... I know we blame Apple for letting up the touchdown. Obviously, it was his his play too let up, but it almost felt like that was indefensible. Maybe you're right. Maybe if Flowers is in there, he's a little bit longer. Maybe Wuzi is a little more athletic, but do you think any anyone could have stopped that?
3: I mean, I can't say that nobody could have stopped the play. It's... It's been stopped before, and Cooper Cup's. He's. I don't know. He's not. I don't think he's small. He's six-two, but he's one ninety-four. He's not that large either. He's not T. Higgins. So you get a guy like Trey Flowers on. I mean, you've got the size advantage. You don't have the ball skills advantage, I don't think. But you have the size. You have the length. Eli Apple's probably about the same size as Cup, I think. And. He, the difference there comes in their ball skills and everything else, the technical ability. So, I don't know. Rougier's on him. Maybe he makes a play. He's got better ball skills. Maybe if you have uh, Trey Flowers on him, he's long enough to break up the pass or at least make it too difficult for him. The real thing is just if they call the false start, they don't call the holding, then they're in a fourth and goal from seven yards out. And that that's... They're not running a goal line fade. <laughs> they can't ISO up. Cooper Cup on Eli Apple in that situation the same way
1: yeah that's what I thought and again I never blame the refs either way you know you just got to make the plays but as you had mentioned earlier that was an inconsistent call with how they were calling the rest of the game but anyway my friend feel better I mean you know I know how I can hear it in your voice obviously you can hear it in mine this isn't fun right now but I guess there are brighter days ahead
3: there's brighter days ahead, and, I mean, heck, Burrow escaped without a major injury. I mean, my heart sunk when I saw him on the, gr- on the ground. I mean, I, I, yelling in pain. It was just heartbreaking to me. Of just, oh my God, we did it to him again. But he he escaped with just a sprain, played through it because he's tough. But you never want to see that. Heck, go go fix this offensive line, and you. It's not just to protect Burrow. It's to open up the offense because right now, whatever you think of Zach Taylor, he's calling plays with one hand tied behind his back because of this offensive line. And no matter how good of a play caller is, it'll get better with the offensive line being better.
1: Yeah, and I, I know we're definitely going to be talking a lot in the off season, and you're obviously going to be appearing on the show, so we'll, we'll try to figure out how we're going to fix that offensive line. I guess we have a couple months to do so. Sans, how do people find you on social media?
3: You can find me at bangles underscore sands on Twitter.
1: The unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome Justin Lacey. All right, we're here with Justin Lacey. Justin, can you give any words to make us Bengal fans feel better about this experience?
2: It was a process all along. It was a process all year. No one anticipated us being to where we were going to go. It, it's a tough loss, and it hurts. But we, the future is so bright in Cincinnati, and I don't want to speak to that at because I know a lot of people are saying the same exact things. But we have a young quarterback that's thriving, that's growing, and it continues to ascend to higher levels. The defense continues to make plays and arise. The offense, you know, I say what we want about the offensive line but the office in and of its entirety is a makeshift this continues to grow we got superstars like chase in the building we got t higgins they got tyler boyd obviously there is major major work to be done on the o-line to protect and block joey b but at the end of the day we will eventually be back it is going to be hard work we can't make any guarantees that we'll make it back to the super bowl next year but we took advantage of our opportunities the best way that we could and this team ascended to so many different heights that even I
1: myself didn't see even coming. And then we can just only go up from
2: here. We'll be okay. Stripes never came easy, and but we sure as hell earned them.
1: What are your thoughts on the game in general?
2: Well, I'll just go with one particular thought that the Bengals organization, if you're listening anyway, anywhere, anyhow, please block. Please protect Please find a way to get this resolved in this offseason. I was all on board with taking Jamar Chase with the number fifth overall pick in in the previous draft. I was one of the main people that stood on the table and said, Draft Jamar Chase because you need to be explosive and not just let people back corner you into a need where you can always find that everywhere else. But this time around, you got to figure out whatever you got to do to block Joe Burrow because that is the main theme of the Super Bowl loss on sunday that's the reason why we lost we can also point to multiple things here and there yes the refs were not pretty by any means they got away with things on both ends of the special it hurts to lose that game like that but at the end of the day their stars on a defensive front for the rams played like stars and aaron donald showed up in one of the biggest stage moments of his career and he has capped off and sensational career and this is why we, he is going to the Hall of Fame and unfortunately our offensive line allowed him to become just that so that's my main thought on the game uh, I'm not going to go any more too in depth with the specifics because it still hurts but please protect Joey B
1: so Justin the game ends what's going on in the Lacey household
2: well we're hurt we're hurt but we're optimistic and we're positive Uh, Like I said before uh, about the team's outlook, before that, our future is bright. Our mindset has changed forever now. You know, the city of Cincinnati, i a watched numerous amount of videos where the fans are welcoming the team after a hard-fought game, after a hard-fought season. So what's going on in my mind frame is that we need to operate better going into our own lives and continue to exceed expectations with our own lives too. Even here in Cincinnati, the Bengals show that they can do it, we can do it too. Uh, so we can keep our head down or we can just look up and, you know, keep walking the path of greatness because the Bengals are going to do the same thing. Joey B ain't hanging his head low. So why do we need to hang our head low? It was The season was a success. You know, we are two years ahead of schedule. So let that be a lesson that just because somebody says that you're not supposed to do this right now, prove them wrong anyway. And, you know, it hurts once again, but we'll be fine. And, that's, that's, that's the mindset that's going on in my house.
1: That's why you're here, my man. I mean, you, you made me feel better just with those words, and you're right. You know, keep keep our head up, keep moving forward, no reason to be down. Justin, how do people find you on social media? Well, they can always
2: find me now on Instagram at juddy13, but I am also on Twitter now at juddy13, J-U-T-T-Y-1-3.
1: I've seen some of your tweets, and it's a definite must-follow. Thanks for being on, my friend.
2: No problem. Thanks so much, Frank. McLeavy Minute.
1: All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, what are your thoughts on this game?
0: Uh, Frankie, um, uh, you know, a t- tough loss. The dam broke. The, the Band-Aid we put on the dam to hold the water in finally burst with the offensive line. You know, first half they played pretty well, but the second half, Donald was possessed. Minute 25, two timeouts left in that fourth quarter. I'm saying this is going into overtime, but I could see them exercising demons of the, the Montana to Rice in uh, 34 seconds. I, I, I just... Visualize them exercising this thing and burrow to chase Bengals win, but we just we just didn't have it in us. Mom more upset, I think, with the play calling having P. Ryan in there third, fourth downs. I I don't understand it. Mixon's running great, and, and Mixon all playoffs wasn't in third downs, fourth downs. I don't understand it. The Rams lost OBJ. Their running game was non-existent. And that final drive for the Rams, they somehow got the ball to their best player, Cooper Cup. How we couldn't get a screen pass to Chase. I mean, all game they kept joe burrow in the pocket roll him out why couldn't they roll him out they were he got sacked what seven eight times again and then i'm watching the, the game at a bar he goes down you could hear a pin drop in this bar when burrow was down when he you could see him scream I I just don't understand the, the game plan. You know, we they had that nice uh, trick play, very good. Even going on fourth down in the beginning, I didn't mind it, but I just wish. I mean, apparently it was uh, uh they had and P. I think it was P. Ryan in there. Again, and he rolled out, and the linebacker followed him right into the path where the ball was going. So um, I don't know if that was a uh, an error on Prine or that they didn't think it through. But come on, you got to get Burrow out of that pocket more. Get some screen passes to 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 chase. End around. They gave Cooper an end around on a, a, a big fourth down call. Give it the chase. I, I mean, come on. Pitch out to, to Mixon. Mixon ran beautifully in that game. I, I'm not gonna blame. The, like we talked about earlier, off off the air here. You know the the the. The referees were letting them play, sort of, and then the last drive, they sort of called the close. But, you know, it was still a winnable game. You know, we, with Joe Burrow, the future's bright with the Bengals, but you just never know if they are ever going to get back, especially the AFC, the way it's it's stacked. Just tough loss. There's some times where you'd rather see him get blown out than lose so close. But, you know, that's the type of team they have. Uh, You know, they have playmakers. Uh, Hats off to Logan Wilson in that defense. Uh, Stepping up when they needed to. Like I said, the Rams' running game, they couldn't muster anything. Um, and I was just hoping that they could get enough to make Matthew Stafford play his day like he was in Detroit. Sometimes they were, it would look like it was tending to go in that direction. But uh, he just made a few, couple plays that really made a difference in this game. So hats off to him. Hats off to the Rams. I just hoping God that like, Kansas City did last year when they had a bad offensive line they went and addressed it in the offseason Bengals beat them but just hope and pray that you know the Bengal front office does the same thing this uh, offseason goes heavily on that offensive line so you know the future's bright but Man, you don't know if you're ever gonna get back there and have a chance. And we're so close. Yeah, it's, it's it sucks. Again, good news is thank God Joe Burrow. They say do oh, doesn't need no knee surgery. You know, there's a lot of questions coming out of the game that would have could have should have. But um, you know, hats off to the team. Listen, they they got us uh, mid February. But now we're The Hunted, so we have to be at our A game week in, week out now. You know, the future's bright, but also the pressure's
2: on us.
1: That'll do it for this episode. This episode marks the end of Season 2, so get ready for Season 3. My goal is to just make this show grow and grow and get better and better. I have a current Bengal that's agreed to come on. I'm in talks with a couple ex-Bengals that are probably going to be coming on. Even a Bengals super fan from Instagram who's probably going to be coming on the show as well. We're going to have plenty of Sands, Tom McLevy, and Justin Lacey, and plenty of other guests. I just can't wait to keep bringing you Bengals news and Bengals talk. These first two seasons have been a blast, and I just can't wait to keep it going. So I'd like to thank @bengals_highlights on Instagram. In all honesty, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. I know I say the same thing every time, but go check out the page. It'll get you pumped up to be a Bengals fan. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life.
0: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.